down at the jail that night Still Paul and Silas would not be dismayed They said it's time to lift our voice Sing praises to the Lord Let's prove that we will trust Him Come what may. I want to talk to you about, uh, now some of you younger people may not know this, may not be related to it, and if not, you just have to catch up. But I want to talk about the three stooges. How many here have watched the three stooges? Larry, Curly, and Moe. Now, you know, Curly had a stroke. Why you, when you were watching, the Three Stooges, were, they did all that in the Depression and then in the 30s. That was all made in the 20s and 30, late 20s and 30s. And uh, Curly, which is my favorite one, uh, no offense, man, but he was kind of the one that was, uh, he, he was bald, and they call him Curly, right? But anyway, he, he kind of was a crazy man and all this, making all kinds of crazy noises and all this stuff, but he had a stroke. Uh, and was replaced by uh, one of their other relatives and, and chap or whatever, but didn't weren't one as good after that. I thought Curly was the best. But anyways, I want to talk to you about the Three Stooges this morning. Not those Three Stooges, but Three Stooges groups. Three Stooges, three groups of Stooges that are found in the New Testament that Jesus himself calls out. The beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is that he wasn't just a man. He was God manifest in the flesh. And as God manifests in the flesh, he could read the hearts of people. He was the only one that could do that. No other teacher has that ability. I look at you, I don't see inside. I, I don't know what's going on inside. People will tell me sometimes, well, you knew what I did this week. I have no idea what you did this week. Don't want to know. And uh, they'll say, well, it's like you, you had... What, uh, yeah, well, if that's true, the Holy Spirit did it. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God will do that, amen? It'll discern between uh, 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 good and evil. It'll discern between joints and marrow. It, it, will, it will do that uh, with the preaching of the Bible. So I'm going to take you on a little ride this morning. Uh, we're going to go to quite a few verses. If you're not familiar with the navigating in the Bible, don't try to navigate. Just listen. Uh, some of you have electronic Bibles. I hope you're looking at the Bible and not at a video game or whatever. I wouldn't know that, but if somebody around you sees somebody playing videos while I'm preaching, you have my permission to grab their phone and smash it on the floor. You didn't think I meant that, did you? Oh, please don't play video games while the old preacher's up here doing what God asked him to do, Amen. Don't play videos. I like that from this section over here, especially. I want to hear that. Amen. Well, let me talk to you about the three students, the three groups. I'll define them for you as Jesus did. He did, of course, a better job than what I ever could. But the three stooges in the Gospels could be the title of this. Uh, the trilogy, if I may say, to tragedy, mentioned here by Jesus in the Gospels. The first group of stooges uh, was the, intel, the intelligent ones, the intelligentsia. They were the Pharisees, the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus warned his disciples against all three major groups that I'm going to speak about this morning. That's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 6. I'm going to do a little teaching here, then we'll do application at the end. 
In 16.6 of Matthew, it says, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The word leaven, can be, you, you could, you could uh, to, to explain what leaven is, if, if you're not a cook and you don't know much about leaven and what it does, it's going to have a hard time relating to it. But let me try to give you a word that you will relate to, infection. You will relate to infection. And leaven of the Pharisees was as dangerous as an epidemic, a pandemic infection. It was the infection of the Pharisees and the infection of the Sadducees. In Mark chapter 8, verse 15, he says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herodians, or those who follow Herod. Now that's uh, another group. That's the third group. So you have the Pharisees, you have the Sadducees, and you have the Herodians mentioned in the New Testament over and over and over. And Jesus warns his people about the corrupting, uh, contagious cancer of these three groups. And if you follow, and by the way, are they alive and well today? Absolutely are alive and well today. The Pharisees are with us today. The Sadducees are with us today. And the Herodians are with us today. Not by those names, but by what they believed, which I hopefully by the end of this you'll have clear. Let's first talk about the Pharisees, which were marked by externalism. Externalism. They were the intelligentsia of the day. They were the thinkers of the day. They were the highly educated photographic memory. It's been reported that to be a Pharisee of high standing, you had to have the entire Old Testament memorized, and that would take a special gift, no doubt. Let me go through quite a few of these verses. In Matthew chapter 23, uh, Jesus speaks about these three groups, and I'm going to quote a few verses out of there. Verse 14, 15, and 16, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses. Why? For a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore ye shall receive greater damnation. They made, they would go, I've seen this in my life over and over and over again. My, my, Tom Cronin's mother was a victim of the Pharisees of today. And they uh, get around, uh, especially widows or widowers, and, and they will schmooze and uh, eventually get them to take their inheritance and shift it over to them and to the church. And you'll not hear from Gospel Baptist Church or from this pulpit, we encouraging you uh, to, to put us in your will. We don't do that here to gospel, amen? If you decide to put us in your will, it'll be on you, not because we've asked you to do it. Your, your possessions and the things that you leave behind are for your children and for your children's children. The Bible says that. The things we leave are for our children and our children's children. Now, you may want to include other people and other places and charities or whatever, but God forbid on the group of people that get up there and beg for that. That's horrible. That was the, that were the Pharisees. He says, "You go to these widows, you spoil, you devour these widows' houses, uh, because you go to there and when in their moment of struggle, when they're dying, you go to there and make long prayers and pretenses." That was Jesus reading the heart. By the way, he's not guessing about that. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, 
hypocrites, verse 15. For you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourself. That's tough talking, amen? You don't hear a bunch of that in most preaching. The child of hell, not hell's angels, though. Probably very similar there. Woe unto you, in verse 16, you blind guides which say, uh, whosoever shall swear by the temple is nothing, whosoever swore by the gold of the temple is a debtor. And then in verse 23, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay tithe and mint and, and, and anise and cumin and omitted weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These all you have done, not to have left the others undone. In verse 24, you, he calls them blind guides. Uh, was strained in a gnat and swallow a camel. Verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within are full of extortion and excess. Now, why did I read all that? I read that to show you that he was pretty upset with them. Now, when's the last time anybody called anybody a hypocrite uh, over and over again, called them blind guides, uh, uh, he, he said that they were full of pretense. They cared about what they looked like on the outside, but didn't care too much what was on the inside. I warn everyone within the sound of my voice this morning, God cares about what's on the inside more than he cares about the outside. He cares about the outside, but he cares most about what's going on on the inside. Let me put it this way. What you're doing in secret is where God's all over. What you do when nobody's around, that's where God's all over. These people on the outside looked holy. They wore religious robes, but maybe backward collars. Uh, they spoke in a certain religious way. Uh, they held themselves in a particular rigid religious uh, body movements and body language, but it was all external. There was no real heart to it. In fact, as you can tell by the reading, they preyed on folks. He says in verse 26 in some summation, if I may say, in Matthew 23, he says, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, uh, mausoleums or whatever, that are real ornate on the outside, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly. You know, it's hard to say this, but when I was in Detroit burying uh, Chris Powell doing his funeral, that funeral, that um, place where you bury people is the most beautiful, ornate. It looks like the Roman Empire built the thing. In fact, one guy said it was, it was patterned after the Roman Empire and their construction. It's in Detroit somewhere because I was pretty much lost the whole trip. You know, once you get out of the airport in Detroit, I don't know where I'm at. You know, I just I just ride with somebody where they take me. But that was so ornate. And I thought, this is a place where dead people go. Outside was marble and outside was granite and, and ornate carvings and, 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 and pillars and beautiful construction. And, and it's so beautiful and so clean. But I thought, inside all of this are dead men's bones. Putrefaction. That's what Jesus said. He said, you Pharisees, outsiders, just spotless. You, you, you attend every little detail, 
to the outside and what appears good to the outward appearance. That's what I said. Their sin is externalism. Caring what people think about you rather than what you really are before God. And he calls them out on it. Uh, he said they appear on the outside to be, uh, be beautiful, but within they're full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness, Matthew 23, 27. Verse 28, ending with this, he says, Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. I think everybody would be wise when you hear Jesus say something like this to go and to kind of get with him and say, Lord Jesus, is there any hypocrisy in me? In other words, what is hypocrisy? It comes from an actor. It's from acting. It's from putting, as they used to have a little mask on, a happy mask and a sad mask. And if they were playing a happy person, they put the happy mask up. And if they were playing a sad person, they put the sad mask up. Now, that you weren't really seeing the person. You were seeing the outward mask. That's what he's saying by hypocrisy. You're playing a part. Uh, you're playing religion. You're, you're, you're playing... Uh, the game, as it were, rather than it being a real life-changing personal relationship that you're walking hand-in-hand uh, hand with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're not doing it for the praise of men, but you're doing it to please God. I'm just asking these questions so that you and the Holy Spirit will talk about it. Think about it. I don't want to be like stooge number one. I don't want to be like the intelligentsia, the religious intelligentsia especially, that prey on people when they're weak and when they're sick and when they want somebody to pray with them and want somebody to attend them. I want to be real. I want to be pure inside and outside. I don't think there's anything wrong with having all the outside clean. Amen. And by the way, this may be the verse that says there's, this verse is not in the Bible. Cleanliness is next to godliness. How many believe that's in the Bible? Don't raise your hand. It ain't there. But this is about as close to it as you're going to get. He says, clean the inside and the outside, Nora. So that justifies cleaning the houses. Eh? Clean the outside. Wash your clothes. I'd appreciate it if you pushed him deodorant on. I mean, if you if you shower this morning and you don't sweat much and you come, you'll be all right. You don't have to put any deodorant on. you probably make it like the French. The French don't like the word deodorant. They wear perfume over their body smell. But anyway, um, I think it's where perfume originated among those folks. I don't know. But uh, the Sadducees, they, they, they smelled good on the outside. They looked good on the outside. They had their act together on the outside, but on the inside where God could see, they were just full of hypocrisy. Uh, they were faking it till they make it. And the, the other word is iniquity. What's iniquity? Iniquity has to do with doing things your way, not God's way. We all have tendencies for iniquity. Now, when I prepared this, I searched my soul. I said, God, is there any hypocrisy in me? I want to get away from it. I want to move away from it. I want to, first of all, recognize it. And then I want to move away from it. Then the secondly, the thing he says, they're full of iniquity. And I said, Lord, now if there's any iniquity in me, man, if I'm doing this because I want to do it, or something I'm doing because I want to do it, not because you want me to do it, please show me that. That's just honest, amen? Get before God and say, God, if there's hypocrisy in me this morning, as a born-again believer, I denounce it. 
Lord God, if there's some iniquity in me, some self-willedness, you know what that is. That's I'm going to do it whether it's right or wrong. That's iniquity. When people say, well, I'm going to do this whether I like, whether people like it or don't like it, or whether it's right or wrong, I'm going to do it. Well, what if God don't approve of that? Bible, in fact, it, was, it is a Psalm of David, Psalm 101, where it says, I'll set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I made things you've been watching that you know God wasn't for. God's not for it. That's iniquity. When we decide to do something God says shouldn't be doing, it's wrong, it's, it's hurtful. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, these people, now let me say this. The Pharisees, as far as I know, were not, in this condition at least, did not, were not what we call in the New Testament saved or born again. But out of this group, after the crucifixion and even before, many of the Pharisees, the Bible said, believed. They believed. They repented of their hypocrisy. They repented of their iniquity and got right with God. And this morning, if you're, if you're living a double life, you can repent of that. Turn away from it by the grace of God. If you have some iniquity in you, some self-willedness that you know God's not for, you can repent of that and turn. So I believe Nicodemus got saved. I believe he did. There's a second stooge that Jesus talks about. That's the Sadducees. Now, I, I'm going to say this next statement. In honor of Dr. Lewis of Bob Jones University, when I took my freshman, 1971, took my freshman New Testament class, there was a 1,000 students in the class, and he got up there and said, we were talking about the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Herodians, and he said, uh, Dr. Lewis said things that would, would you just, I mean, I have never forgotten. How long ago that's been? He said, the Sadducees were sad. And, of course, I'm sitting there saying, well, why were he said they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And that's I just remembered that. That's, that's a sin. Why were they sad? Because they didn't believe in the supernatural power of God. I never forgot that. It got through the darkness, through all those kids. It went through. Dr. Lewis has been in heaven for a long time. I'm still quoting Dr. Lewis. Why were they sad? They didn't believe in the supernatural. You know, there's, there's a whole group of people that don't believe in the supernatural. They don't believe God can do the miracles that the Bible says he can do. They're, they're like the politically correct liberal, the doubter, the skeptic. The predominant sin of these Sadducees was their skepticism, worded otherwise as agnosticism. They were a group of agnostics. How do I know that? Well, Jesus calls them out. Take your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 23 through 29. I'll read this section to kind of illustrate it. And Jesus in verse 23 is dealing with them. The same day came to him, the Sadducees, would say that there is no resurrection and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Aren't you glad that you don't live in the Old Testament under the Mosaic law? Now there were with us seven brethren. The first, when he had married a wife, he deceased and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, that's the second brother, and the third, under the seventh, all died, you know. And the last of all the women, the woman finally died. I don't know what she was cooking. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven for they all had her. They called her the black widow. Jesus answered and said to them, 
Now remember, these are people who don't really believe. They're agnostic. They're skeptical. He said, you do err, not knowing the scriptures, and notice where he nails them, and the power of God. Are you here this morning, and you say, well, Brother Bill, religion's good, it's healthy, uh, but you know, really, I don't, I can't buy everything in the Bible. I'm just not going to buy that, you know, he really was resurrected. You know what the Islamics have trouble with? Resurrection. You know what the Buddhists have with? Resurrection. You know what most people uh, reject Jesus because they reject him, number one, as the son of God. God manifests in the flesh, and they reject the resurrection, the supernatural. Do you know one of the problems among Jewish people is that they reject that res the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I was talking to a rabbi one time. I said, I said do you believe he, he, was, he was, he didn't believe Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. He didn't believe Noah's flood was worldwide. I'm thinking, you're a born Jew. I'm an old heathen Gentile. My forefathers worshiped the sun, the moon, the stars, and the, and the cre cre creeping things. And here you are, a Jew, under Abraham, given the light directly. The, 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 the law of Moses was given on this position of angels. By the very hands of angels, God came to you and gave you law. And I'm, I believe that God can do anything. I believe he created the world in six days, six 24-hour days. I don't have a problem with any of that. I think God did everything he said he did in the Bible. He did it. My God's a big God, not a little small God. Trouble with the Sadducees is they were the religious sect. Of, they were one of the large religious sect of their, of their age as we have them with us today. And they just have a really small little helpless God that can't do much. Wow. The third group of stooges is the Herodians. Now this is your postmodern church represented today. It's uh, the religious playboys of the day committing spiritual adultery with the world in the name of God. Uh, they could be called, in some cases, the New Evangelicals or the Progressive Church. Uh, the predominant sin of this group is worldliness. Worldliness. Matthew chapter 22, verse 16. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, come unto Jesus. We know that thou art true and teach us the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of man. They were schmoozers. You know schmoozers? That's people who like to tell you how wonderful you are just to get into your favor to do something bad to you. Usually it's, 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 a, it's a motivated thing. They were coming to Jesus. They, they, the Bible makes it clear they hated Jesus. The Herodians hated Jesus. The Sadducees hated Jesus. The Pharisees hated Jesus. Yet they come to him and they say, Oh, now, now we know that thou art true and teach us the way of God. No, they, no, no, no. They didn't believe that. They thought he was a false teacher and trying to figure out. The Bible says in the 11th chapter, John, they were sought ways to kill him, get rid of him. In verse 17, chapter 22 of Matthew, they say, Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Ooh. Now we're going to put you up against an absolute dictator 
well, we can't figure any way out to get rid of you, but maybe if you cross Caesar, you know, back then it was like at, at, at the word of Pilate, he could put somebody to death. He didn't have to go to court, didn't have to have a jury, didn't have to have two, three years, a trial. It was like, put him to death, they put him to death. They didn't ask any questions. And so they're, they're desperate here. And Jesus perceived, the Bible says in verse 18, their wickedness. And said, why tempt ye me, me like this, you hypocrites? Ooh, they don't like to get called out. Have you noticed since uh, Trump's been president that he has stripped the facade, the nice, sweet facade that the liberals had around them? They, have, they are meaner than junkyard dogs. I mean, the, the liberals like to come across like these people, like they're sweet and, and considerate and reasonable people. And I don't know how in the world, but God has somehow used Trump and his way to strip these people bare in public, and now they're coming out with the most vicious things, unreasonable to the, to the average reasonable person. That's what Jesus did to these people. He drove them crazy. They were hidden. The Pharisees were hidden. All those things that I just read, and, and he mentioned in chapter 23, nobody knew that. The public thought well of the Pharisees. They thought, these are, man, these are the highest, best intelligentsia religious leaders. They thought high of the Pharisees. They thought high of the Herodians. Jesus is stripping their facade away from them, driving them crazy. He says, I perceive your wickedness, you hypocrites. Show me the tribute money. And they brought him a penny, a coin. And he said unto them, Who is this image in superscription? And they said, Caesar's. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. They were like, uh, uh, Okay. They were hoping to catch him in his words. They were hoping to somehow get him opposed to Caesar or somehow get him opposed to God. Either way he went, he was, they had him. They thought they had him. They didn't have him because he's God, manifest the flesh, the inventor of language. How are you going to overcome the inventor of language? The Bible says in Mark chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 6, the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, and how they might destroy him. The three stooges, those who emphasize the outside of the cup, the externalism, the Pharisees, uh, the, the, the Sadducees who were agnostic and skeptical, yet they pretended to believe when it was convenient, but when it wasn't, in private conversations, they didn't really believe this whole thing really added up. Then you have the Herodians, the, the worldly, the ones who were, had one foot in the world, one foot in, you know, they wanted to go to heaven, but they didn't want to give up the world. What the, what's the Bible say about that? First John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. All is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are not of the Father, but of the world. The world passeth away, and the lusts thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. 
You've read that many, many times. You've heard it quoted many, many times. Let us sink in. He that doeth the will of God, whosoever will may come. Jesus died for your sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried the third day. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4, the third day he rose again. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe you're a sinner? Do you believe you've had iniquity? Do you believe you've probably committed every one of these major sins that these three stooges committed? Yes. What did you do about it? Do what they do? Hide it? Try to pretend it's not there? Try to shove it under the rug? That's not the way. The Bible says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But he that confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. God's way is come open with it. Show yourself for what you are. Confess your sins. There's nothing wrong with and people have been against it. There's nothing wrong with getting up in a group of people and saying, I'm an alcoholic. Remember the AA, not the triple A, but the double A. Remember years ago, years ago when, when AA was really fired up, Alcoholics Anonymous. We would have people visit Gospel Baptist, and during our time of visiting, they would stand up and say, I am, you know, I'm going to say uh, John Doe from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, or, or there are so many of those, but Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I am an, uh, an alcoholic. They didn't say they were even. I am an alcoholic seeking recovery or something like that. And that was so that one of our deacons didn't take him out to the bar. Just trying to get you back into the game. Get you back into the game. I mean, he did, they, why did they do that? They taught him to do that because if you get among a group of people, and let's say you get among a group of people to drink, these people were alcoholics. They dare not go to a bar. They dare not go around alcohol. They dare not go around. They didn't go with, it's like quitting smoking. You don't go around a bunch of smokers, amen? If you're quitting smoking, the last thing you want to do is smell cigarettes. I quit smoking, trust me. That was the most enjoyable thing I've ever done except be saved and catch lobster. And I tell you, I would have been a career smoker all the way till I died of lung cancer had not God saved me. But when he saved me, he told me, whispered in my ear, and said, you got to get rid of the cigarettes. I'm like, and I said, okay, but boy, I didn't know the battle that ensued after that. I mean, a hundred times I swore never to smoke another cigarette. I'm not going to do it. I'll rip my hair out before I do it. You still, I see you still have hair. And then I'd, I'd find myself going in and buying a pack of cigarettes for 35 cents. And I'd take one cigarette out of it and I'd light it. And I didn't get one good drag on that cigarette before the convicting power of the Holy Spirit just made me feel like a worthless piece of leather. I thought, oh, no, and I'd take that whole pack and throw it away. 34 cents, 33 cents I wasted. I'd be out there doing it again a week later, buy another pack. I said, what's going on? I'm like a little, little, little baby, a little child. I can't give it up. And I started getting more serious by asking God for power. 
And he delivered me finally. Praise God. It's been all those years. I haven't smoked. No, I'm not smoking. And I haven't smoked. I, was, I didn't say I didn't want to occasionally. But boy, I even still will go by and smell a Swisher Sweet, brother, cherry Swisher Sweet. And I want to go, I want to drag on that so bad I could just about beat the guy up and get it from him. And I go, I'm a preacher. We don't make any difference on a preacher or not. I want to be pure on the inside. Now, I don't want to, I'm not doing that to fake you out. But the first thing you do if you want to dismiss your sweets, you try to hide somewhere to do it, wouldn't you? I can't let Moon see me do it or he'll be doing it. And, and, and I can't let Doc see me do it because he recommends everybody not to smoke. And, and so I got to go find some secret place where nobody can see me and light that thing up and smoke it. That tells you something's wrong right there, amen, where you got to hide. Are you troubled with externalism this morning? Are you troubled with skepticism this morning? Are you troubled with worldliness this morning? That's what the three stooges of the New Testament were troubled with. They struggled with it. By the way, what do we learn from this? Satan does not mind tripping you up by more than one means. He goes at you from multiple fronts. The, the, the United States defends our country on what they call the triad. The three legs of air, of sea, and of land. We have submarines in the sea and, and aircraft carriers. We have armies on the land. We have aircraft in the sky. We got, we're protected by a triad. Listen, the devil's not... The devil's smarter than our folks. And if you don't think he's trying to take you down, he's going to try to take you down by air. He'll try to take you down by land, or he'll try to take you down by sea. He'll try to take you down with externalism. That's good with him if you'll go that way. If you'll be a hypocrite and pretend to be a Christian, not really be one. Uh, he'll take you down by agnosticism, by skepticism. He'll try to tell you the stuff's not reliable, and there's, there's reasons for doubt. And he'll try to take you down that way. If that doesn't work, he'll try to take you down with just being worldly, the lust of this world. Uh, you can do the world. You can be in part of this world. When, when, now, we're not talking about the birds and the bees when I talk about the world. I'm talking about the philosophy of the world, the things they do, things they say, the way they act, their value system. That's not of God. No. He attacks us in multiple fronts. Let's put it this way. For the self-righteous and those who feel that they must earn God's favor through good works, he presents to them formalism, ritualism, and externalism. That's what the Pharisees offered. For the egotistical know-it-all who uh, dotes on his circumference of knowledge and grasp of things, he feeds them with Skepticism, evolution, false science, agnosticism. That's what the Sadducees offered. For the lover of pleasure and just fleshly fun and power, he has, who may have very little regard to righteousness and holiness, he offers them this world and salvation. They can have both. Junior can't have both. You say, well, I know people, yeah, but when they meet God, they're not going to be happy. The God who knows your heart this morning is not going to put up with you trying to have, my mother used to say, have your cake 
and eat it too. Our brother this morning talked about repentance. Interesting how the Holy Spirit lines stuff up. Repentance is a getting honest with God. It's getting honest with God. It's getting honest with your fellow brothers and sisters, and but it's really mostly getting honest with God. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. That's just got a smack of honesty to it. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Hey, I struggle with something. I said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Show me. Which one are you in this morning? Externalism? Skepticism? Worldliness? Or are you an honest to goodness, fundamental Bible believer who seeks to do the will of God? I hope you're in that fourth group because Jesus didn't condemn that fourth group. He made disciples that went into that fourth group. And those were his disciples. And those were everyone who called upon his name were in honesty and truth. Uh, he made that. What I mean by fundamental is they believe what's written. They believe the scriptures. They believe Jesus' testimony of who he is and what he is. Now look, I'm not blind. I've searched this stuff out, looked at all kinds of archaeological evidences and uh, documental evidences and everything. And I'm going to tell you this, just like Josh McDowell would tell you, in the book called Evidence that Demands a Verdict, or More Evidence that Demands a Verdict, the more, and it's 800 pages, by the way, the more you search on whether this book is true, the more you're going to see it is true. It stands up to the scrutiny of the skeptic if your heart's in the right place. But if you don't want it to be true, you know what? You're not going to find it to be true. God will hold himself away from you. I hope you're not part of the three stooges of the New Testament. Our Heavenly Father, this morning we come. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.